Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee welcoming you to the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past with the world's most famous personalities. Those memorable moments when everyone listened to enjoy the make-believe world of radio. On this program, we are featuring Virginia O'Brien, Joe Penner, Smith and Dale, and some exciting moments with Jack Parr. Virginia O'Brien was a popular singer of the 40s. She made motion pictures and radio appearances and never smiled. She always sang with a deadpan. This became her trademark. Here she is on an Armed Forces radio service show in 1944. Life used to be a gay thing All filled with happiness night and day thing It was something to have and to hold But it seems that your love grew I never knew that our romance had ended Until you poisoned my food And I thought it was a lark when you kicked me in the park But now I think it was rude I never knew that you and I were finished Until that bottle hit my head Though I tried to be aloof When you pushed me off the roof I feel our romance is dead It wouldn't have been so bad If you told me If you told me that someone Had suddenly taken my place Huh But no, you didn't even scold me You just tried to disfigure my face You never know how this heart of mine is breaking It looks so hopeless, but then Our life could still be sweet and placid If you just put down that acid And say we're sweethearts again Remember that night in Bridgeport when the moon shone down on both of us and the breeze sang a love song? And you looked at me and I looked at you and you didn't know what to do, so you broke my leg. (laughs) I thought there was sort of a strange look in your eyes, but then you smiled and, well, it made everything all right. Then there was that time when we went canoeing and you set fire to my dress. You said you pushed me overboard to put out the flames, but I could never quite understand why you held my head underwater so long. Of course, I've never met this person who's taken my place, but I want you to know that I wish you all the luck in the world. And if there's anything I can do, anything at all, you can reach me in room 304 at the General Hospital. Farewell, my sweet. You'll never know how this heart of mine is breaking. It looks so hopeless, but then our love is great. No love can match it. Darling, please put down that hatchet and say we're sweethearts again. 
Jack Parr has always been a rebel, not only in television, but also on the radio. And he was constantly fighting with his censors. Here's Jack Parr in 1946 at the close of his last broadcast. Listen to what he says about the censor. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last program of the summer season for all of us on this show. Next week, Jack Benny returns at this time. On behalf of the cast, I want to publicly thank Mr. Benny for this wonderful opportunity. Now may I mention a few of the people who made this show possible. In our cast, each week were such fine performers as Hans Conrad, Florence Hallop, and Doris Singleton. And my thanks to the NBC censor who has been so cooperative. I'd like to, uh... I'd like to mention his name, but I can't because it sounds naughty. Good night, everybody. Of course, Jack Parr has gone on to bigger and better things. When he was the host of the NBC Tonight Show, he kept a whole nation up, much after their bedtime, with material like this. Every summer, we've had a great success with reading to you uh, letters from kids from camp. And uh, tonight, I, I'm rushing it a bit, and I'm going to reprise and read some of the great ones from last year. I don't know if you have children of your own that have gone to camp. You know how they can tantalize you and drive you right out of your little mind with those letters home, those short, frightening things. Here are the best of last year, okay? Dear Mom, tomorrow they take off the bandages. Love, Ricky. Dear Daddy, I cried all night, but the pain is much worse this morning. I think I need to have it taken out. Love. <laughs> Dear Mom, I'm changing my socks every day like you said. I change them with Paul, Jimmy. <laughs> Dear Mom, yesterday I saw a man milk a cow. Why doesn't the cow holler? <laughs> Dear Dad, I met a girl who's more fun than my bicycle, Tim. <laughs> Dear Mom and Dad, one thing is sure, I'll never play with matches again, Timmy. <laughs> Dear Mom and Dad, I'm all alone. Camp ended a week ago, buddy. <laughs> Dear Parents, this morning at mail call, I was the only one who didn't get mail. I hope you have not forgotten where you put me, your son, Peter. <laughs> Dear Mom, now that I'm here, I hope you and Daddy... Oh, this is touching. Now that I'm here, I hope you and Daddy are having all the fun you were talking about having when you didn't know I was awake the night before I left. <laughs> That's sad. Dear Mom and Dad, every day I try to swim the lake, but I get so tired after only a little way they pick me up in a boat. I'll swim that lake if I have to sneak down tonight and do it, love. and Mrs. Wheeler, you should send your son Robert, who is a very good boy, 18 candy bars at once, signed the Phantom. <laughs> Dear Mom and Dad, this place is swell. They let us smoke and everything. Lovely. <laughs> Dear Dad, I never knew beer tastes so bitter. Tony. <laughs> Dear Mother and Father, last night a bunch of us followed our counselor and he went to visit his girlfriend, and boy, was he mad when we yelled surprise. <laughs> Dear Dad, thank you for your card on my birthday with only a dollar in it. Love, Jack. <laughs> well, this was from a mother back to the counselor. Dear sir, I was happy to get you a letter telling me uh, how well Alvin is doing at camp. 
but since I've never heard of Alvin, will you please tell me how my son Marvin is doing? <laughs> Dear folks, my counselor said if I wet the bed again, they'll have to send me home. See you tomorrow, Warren. Another comedian who was popular during radio's golden days was Joe Penner. His slogan was, Wanna Buy a Duck. Here he is on his own radio show in 1938. Now it's time for Joe Penner. For several weeks, Joe has been trying to break into radio as an announcer. Tonight, the Columbia Network is holding an announcer's contest, and Joe thinks he has a chance to win. And now, entering the office of Mr. Charles Gander, the program director, we find the black sheep, <laughs> Joe Penner. Come in, come in. Well, well, what is it, young man? Look, I've been all on this radio station. Maybe you could tell me where they're holding the announcer's tryouts. Yes, this is the place. Yeah. But don't tell me you want to be an announcer. Well, I, I sound as though I should lend my voice to radio. <laughs> I'm sure we've just a temporary loan. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I'll have our host show you to the audition room uh, where you'll meet the other contestants. Sadie, Sadie. Yes, Mr. Gander? Uh, this is Mr. Penner. Take him to Studio B for the announcer's contest. Oh, so you're going to be an announcer? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure we'll be great friends, won't we? <laughs> well, come along with me, Mr. Penner. Okay. Sadie, look, do you think I might win this contest? Well, that all depends. Huh? They're looking for an announcer with plenty of speed. Are you a fast talker? Am I a fast talker? <laughs> what are you doing tonight, babe? Hmm? Well, of all the nerves. Can you meet me at 8 o'clock? Sure. We'll have dinner? Go to the show? And tell me good night. Good night. Boy, that's the fastest date I ever had. <laughs> Hello, Joe. Droopy, what are you doing here? Oh, Mr. Drewson has entered the contest, too. What? Say, Droopy, are you trying to beat me out of this job? Why not? I'm a pretty fast talker myself. What are you doing tonight, babe? Dinner? Joe? Home and good night. Good night. You win. Oh, good evening, folks. When did this contest start? Oh, now, who is this? Oh, Mr. Drusel and Mr. Penner. Hmm? This gentleman is Mr. Ramsey, another contestant. Yes? He's the fastest radio announcer in the world, aren't you, Mr. Ramsey? I'll say I'm fast. What are you doing tonight, babe? You're too late. We cover that. <laughs> I'll say we did, Mr. Ramsey, and you're going to have to be plenty fast to stay in this company. Why is that so? Well, listen, I can read so fast. The other day I grabbed the book of Anthony Adverse and bang. <laughs> read it in five minutes. Oh, yeah? Well, the other day I grabbed the book of Anthony Adverse and boom, I read it in four minutes. <laughs> you think that's good? The other day I grabbed the book of Anthony Adverse. Ooh. What happened? I couldn't lift it. <laughs> Here comes Mr. Gander. Well, boys, we're about to begin the contest to determine who is the world's fastest announcer. Uh -huh. And remember, the winner not only gets a job, but also a grand prize for $500. Oh, boy, give me the money. <laughs> Save your speed. Yeah. Now, I'll give each of you a number. Mr. Yeah. Goop Suit, you are number one. Thank you very much, Mr. Gander. I'll certainly do my best to win this contest. I'll conduct myself as a gentleman. Splendid, <laughs> Mr. Goop Suit. Now, Mr. Ramsey, you are number two. Thank you very much, Mr. Gander. I'll do my best to win this contest. I'll conduct myself as a gentleman. Ooh. Well spoken indeed. And now, Mr. Penner, you will number three. Thank you. I didn't know what you said, Mr. Penner. Did you hear what the other said? Yes. Well, that's it. <laughs> All right now, gentlemen, here yeah. are the rules. Yeah. You can have a copy of the night before Christmas. Yeah. Now, when I call your name, start reading. And when you hear the bell, you stop. Uh, do we each read the same thing? Yes, you each read the first verse on the first round. Uh -huh. Then you jump to the second and so on. Now, yeah. remember, read when you hear the name, stop when you hear the bell, and don't forget to take a deep breath. All ready now, Mr. Noop Snoop. 
For tonight, for Christmas, also a house on creature store and get him in a mouth. Stock in the front of the chimney can and hope to take notice of the day. Mr. Ramsey! For the night before Christmas, also a house on the creature store and get him in a mouth. Stock in the front of the chimney can and hope to take notice of the day. Mr. Perner! Wait a minute! 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 Wait a that's all. The contest is over. Say, did you pick the winner? Mr. Gander, they all came out a tie. A tie? My, my, this is a dilemma. Well, gentlemen, there's nothing left to do but to give the $500 to little Sadie. What do you say, men? It's all right with me. It's okay by me. And Mr. Penner, what do you say if I get the $500? What are you doing tonight, babe? <laughs> On radio as well as motion pictures in vaudeville, the comedy team of Smith and Dale entertained the nation for more than 50 years. Here they are doing one of their routines on The Ed Sullivan Show in 1952. What is this here? Huh? What are you following me around for? I don't follow you around. You're walking in front of me. Now, see that this dollar here, this dollar bill, will be a full dinner pail dollar instead of being worth only 40 cents. That bill is only worth 40 cents? As of now, yes, sir, only 40 cents. Here's 50 cents for it. Yeah, <laughs> now, this 50 cent piece is only worth 20 cents. Well, here's a quarter for that. Yeah. Well, according to my figuring, this quarter is worth nothing. Then you don't need it. Yeah, uh. <laughs> now, you see you see how my dollar shrunk? Your head should shrink like my dollar there. Come on, give me back my now, dollar. Now, wait a minute. You're insulting me. You are calling me an Aborigine. No, but you insulted me first. I don't give you your money back. Yeah, I force you for that. All right. What do you cry? Uh, head. You lose. Yeah, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what do you mean I lose? I didn't see that. I toss it. Now, yeah, here, wait a minute. Now, here. What do you cry? I could say head. Yeah, well... You lose. I would say tail. Let's return to comedian Jack Parr now and the evening he wasn't so funny. On the night of February 11th, 1960, Jack Parr actually walked off his program while it was on the air. This was done because the NBC censor had deleted a joke from a taped program the night before, a joke they felt was in bad taste. Mr. Parr felt differently, and he told the whole country about it. Here's that memorable evening in 1960, recorded just as it happened. Now from New York, it's the Jack Parr Show. And now, here's Jack. don't have to do that. Just scroll I love you on the building as you leave. <laughs> Maybe if I'd had all that affection when I was a little boy, I wouldn't have gone wrong. <laughs> nice to have you here tonight. This, uh, we're going to have a very interesting show this evening, a very unusual show, and uh, a good show. But if you're tired, you go to bed because you'll be able to read about it tomorrow morning in the paper. <laughs> Uh, 
Bossy brings you another program with Uncle Jack and some bedtime stories. <laughs> I want to read this to you. This is a little... This, this, this makes me laugh, so... Advertisement in a Los Angeles newspaper for sale. Used TV set. Perfect condition. Owner was little old lady who watched only Lawrence Welk. There's a buy for somebody. All right, are you ready? Uh, last night on this program, if you would read uh, some of the newspapers, you'd think that I had committed a terrible obscenity. Last night, I told a little story that I thought was about as funny as anything I had ever... It was a story... I'm not going to go into it because they'll cut me off again. <laughs> but it is not at all, in any sense of the word, an obscene story. True, the story perhaps should not be told at like at 8 o'clock on Sunday night. But at this hour, it was very adult and very funny. The audience laughed like they haven't laughed perhaps in some time. Of course, that's no excuse, is it? But then I said, was it all right? I, you know, did anyone, was anyone offended? wasn't one voice, and frequently there are voices that are surprised. This was cut out of the show last night, and I cannot understand why. Cutting it out is the right of NBC to do, but not some, in some way telling you the content of it leaves a terrible impressions, uh, impression in your mind. For instance, I'll tell you now where I got the story. It was given to me by an uncle his niece, about 13 or 14 years old, brought it home from junior high school where it was read to her by her teacher. And the kids so liked it that the teacher had it copied to send home to, with each kid. That's the very same story that I, that I told you last night. Um, I generally am opposed to obscene stories, dirty stories on this show or anywhere. It doesn't mean that when you ad-lib, that when fast minds are thinking, double entendres and triple entendres don't occur. It is not my policy ever. Every comedian that comes on the show with a routine, I don't have time, but the producers see, and I hear jokes that are questionable. They're always out. Now, uh, NBC is a little confused as to which clown cut that out of the show last night. They're not quite sure who did it. Those who saw it today, some people said they were quite surprised, and the whole thing has gotten out of hand. But the damage has been done, not only to their property, this show, The Tonight Show, which they own, I do not, but to me personally. And so my solution, I've been up for about 30 hours without an ounce of sleep. That's not your problem. But I have been. And... Uh, don't worry. <laughs> what, what was I talking about? <clears throat> Help me. Just what, tell me what I was talking about. You said that NBC was... Oh, yeah. You, so I went to them. <laughs> I'm loaded with ammunition, but, you know, I, I don't get it out straight. So I went to them, and uh, I said, well, you know, the least you could do, maybe ask, get permission, or give me a no. Could I show that tape again? Let me show that one hunk that's caused all this comment in the press, because there's so many guys, uh, in a way, you know, out to zing me, that this is the way to stop it. Show, show what we did. And uh, they thought about it and said, pass it off with a joke, lightly. Well, I cannot pass it off with a joke and will not. Now, I've made a decision about what I'm going to do. 
and uh, only one person knows about this. It's Hugh Downs. My wife doesn't know it, but I'll be home in time and I'll tell her. I'm leaving the Tonight Show. There must be a better way of uh, making a living than this. There's a way of entertaining people without being constantly involved in some form of controversy, which is on me all the time. It's rough on my wife and child, and I don't need it. I like the National Broadcasting Company. They've been uh, swell to me, and I've been pretty wonderful to them. You have been peachy to me always. Jack, I, you know what I said to you? This wasn't the end. Oh, no. Sometime later, Jack Parr returned to NBC and The Tonight Show. On the evening of his return, he had these words. As I was saying before I was interrupted... <laughs> I believe my last words were that there must be a better way of making a living than this. Well, I have looked. <laughs> and there isn't. you know what Jack Parr's really like. And now, good night. That concludes this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. I hope you've enjoyed the past few minutes. This is Frank Brzee inviting you back again next time for more great moments from radio programs of the past. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.